So we thank you, Lord, for that living word that you're depositing today in each and every one of us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen. <clears throat> so yesterday we were talking about bringing heaven down here on earth and receive your healing. <clears throat> so I thought we would talk today and add to it and talk about health and wealth, okay? Because it is a package deal. And I think it's unfortunate that there are so many, um, uh, I guess you could say, variations of of the gospel um, that will separate out the different blessings of God. But when he gave it to Israel, it came in a package deal. Uh, he promised them a land that he would give to them free of charge. Amen. And that all they had to do would be to go on and dispossess the people who were possessing. And I think that's something that we as believers have to keep in mind. That there is a thief that is is running uh, all over this world. You know, and, and he's taken from the people of God. But then when God says, my kingdom come, my will be done in your life as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. What he is saying is that the the thief has been dispossessed from heaven and that we are to dispossess him from our lives as well. So this issue of, you know, whether God's holding up our blessing or whatever, whatever, is is not really an issue. The issue is, are you willing to take authority over the enemy and to live God's way? One of the main ways we stop the devil is by living for God. Because if you're going to live for the devil, you're not bringing his kingdom down here. You're just trying to beat the devil at his game. Amen. And how many of you know <laughs> that he, he has a game and he's a winner in his arena. So we have to get in God's arena in order to defeat the enemy. Amen. got to live for God in order for your power and your authority to work. <clears throat> um, uh, there was a a man who was a sorcerer. You read about him in the book of Acts. He had some sons who were trying to cast out devils by the name of this Jesus whom Paul preaches. And they said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? And the devils turned on them and beat them and chased them. So if you don't have a living relationship with the living God, you really won't master authority over the works of darkness. And this has to be done in order for you to receive what God has for you. You've got to confront evil. You can't just get it by begging God and begging God and thinking God's holding your blessing up. You've got to get in the arena of warfare on the right side and do your part to liberate your own blessing from the hands of the enemy. Amen. And people will say things like, well, always buy real estate because we're not growing any more land. Amen. And what that means is that somebody owns everything down here. Either owns it outright or stole it. And it just changes hands. So why can't it come into your hands? Amen. And the way it comes into your hands is you got to execute the written judgments that God's already written about the devil. He is a defeated foe. He's a defeated devil on all fronts. And I think the body of Christ needs to understand how to walk in power against him, how to confront him, how to make him drop stuff that he's stealing. 
Amen. We have all of that power. We have um, warrants that we can issue for his arrest. Amen. Amen. It's called the word of God. And, and once these warrants are executed, then he has to let go of what he's holding. I don't care what it is. That's why we pray. When you pray for, for, uh, these children uh, missing and abducted children to be found, you gotta address the devil. I mean, he's the one who's got them. Amen. And I think the more believers fight, the more, uh, people in the natural can release real sheriffs to go and apprehend and, and retrieve these children. I mean, it's being done every day now by people who, uh, really have a heart to, um, uh, do their job in in stopping crime amen so it's our prayer that releases people to do their job down here on earth so there's no kidnapping in heaven amen so we release his word down here on earth to make that stuff stop and to allow these people to be returned children to be found returned to their rightful families etc etc just because a child runs away from home, it doesn't mean the devil can do anything he wants to do to that kid. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people are deceived into doing some of the things that they do. And God is a God of compassion. These kids belong to some parent somewhere. Amen. And so God wants to see that that these things are set back in the right order. Amen. And not so much disorder. And so that's just a, an example of using your godly authority, God-given authority, to bring heaven down here on earth. And you do it for those, sometimes you don't even know those people. In fact, most times we don't. But we pray anyway. Why? Because we pray for a principle. Uh, we're fighting for a principle that God has laid down uh, in the in our hearts, in the hearts of believers. And that principle is that righteousness and justice prevail. So when we pray for God's kingdom to come, it is a just and a righteous kingdom. Nobody's misused, abused, and uh, um, slighted in God's kingdom. Everybody can prosper. Everybody can be in health. Everybody can have all the blessings and benefits of their covenant with God because God's no respecter of persons. So when he, he invites us to pray and intercede, we have to intercede in a way where we're no respecter of persons. We'll pray for anybody who wants prayer and anybody God lays on our heart to pray for. And part of that prayer is to, to execute written judgments Make known the principalities and powers, the manifold wisdom of God. Allow God to move in by taking authority and using our authority. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So if you don't like what's loosed in your life, start taking authority over this nonsense. Amen. And start releasing blessings, releasing the things that you desire to see. So yesterday we talked quite a bit about uh, healing. And how healing is a part of our heavenly inheritance, divine health. And if somehow we, we wind up with a diagnosis or wind up with symptoms, we can uh, retrieve our health. Amen. The Bible says he restores health to us and uh, heals us of our destruction, so forth and so on. So we can always walk in the health that God has ordained for us 
by appropriating heaven and denying earth or hell an opportunity to advance in our lives. Every time you speak the word over your body or over your situation, I don't care what it is, you stop the advancement of the gates of hell against your life. Amen? You put up a resistance to its its um, advance, and that means increase in going forward in your life against you. And so every time you confess the word, every time you declare yourself healed, every time you declare yourself wealthy, every time you declare yourself full of abundance of all good things, you stop the advancement of the gates of hell against your life. Well, what happens if if it doesn't get better quick? Just bind the devil some more and tell him to let it go. And devil, I know you heard me and I mean for you to let it go. Amen? Don't change your position, don't change your confession, don't change your your um, uh, desires, all of that, depending upon what earth says. Amen. You've got to stay involved in what heaven says. Even if earth, you know, if, if you have to do something according to some rules set down on earth, you can change those. You know, I, I was talking to somebody that, that was wanting a better job at a company they were employed by, and they said, uh, I said, well, you know, just start thanking job, God for that job, for your promotion, and, and so forth and so on. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they told me they're going to start hiring again in, in uh, three months. And I said, well, why wait three months? So what they did was instead of continuing to thank God and believe it could happen any time, they waited for the three months. Guess what happened in three months? They didn't hire him. See, once you drop heaven and pick up earth, you're back under the curse again. And you think the devil's going to let a believer get anything? Are you kidding me? So even when they were free to start hiring, they didn't hire him. Now we got to make up our minds to stay with heaven. Because see, earth will come and try to make you a better offer. And it's never better. See, he thought because he had a time set on it, that was better. He was doing better when he was sticking with heaven. Because heaven can do it at any time. Even if heaven works on earth's schedule, you stay with heaven. You stay with your confession. You stay with what you believe. You stay with God. You can do this at any time. You can stay with God I expect it today. You stay with that. You stay with heaven's declaration over your life. But what this person did and what many of us do when we get a earth answer, we stop doing what heaven says to do and we wait on earth to bring our provision to us. You got me? 
See, you can go buy a, a car at the price you want to buy it at without waiting for the uh, year-end clearance sale or the uh, family discount or employee discount or whatever. You can get that for what you can have what you say. And earth will have to cooperate with heaven. It's not the reverse. So don't ever drop your expectation in the heavenly sphere and get comfortable waiting on what earth says it's going to do for you. Amen. Always stick with what heaven says and you'll get heaven's results. Amen. I realize it might be more comfortable in your flesh to just say, oh, yeah, well, this is going to come so and so and such. My boss told me they was your boss don't know nothing. He don't know if he going to be working from one day to the next. How did he get to be God? Uh, let's be real here, folks. You either stick with heaven, you're going to have some challenges because earth is going to come up and try to offer you a better deal. But you better stick with heaven. Stick with what's in your heart. What do you want? See, many of us have that faint thing that hangs around is real close to us. And and oftentimes, relying on what earth says makes that faint more comfortable. You got me? It's like, well, I believe, I've been believing God and believing God and, and the enemy will press on your mind and say, well, if God was going to do it, he would have done it by now. You must be doing something wrong. Something ain't right somewhere. And if, you know, God may not be doing it. And all of a sudden somebody comes up from earth and says, oh yeah, we're going to do this for you in X period of time. And you go grab that. Cause faint, that's right here. Makes it more comfortable, makes more reasonable to you to grab that. Don't let go of what heaven's told you. Amen. Don't ever think God is slower than the devil is. Cause see, God is fast even, even at the devil's normal pace. Cause the devil ain't gonna give it to you. You understand with me? And so he ain't fast. He ain't, he ain't even in the game. Not gonna give you nothing. Because he knows once once he releases his grip on something and a child of God has it, it's gone forever. Because it's over in another kingdom already. Amen. So you've, you've taken a, a withdrawal out of the devil's account and banked it up in God's heavenly account. And the devil can't get it anymore. That's why he tries to talk us out of it before we possess it. So the best thing to do is stay with what God's told you about something. Stay with the plan. Amen. Stay with God. Stay with what he says. Even if the enemy offers something to you that looks more attractive and it's available, looks like right now or sooner than you think God would give it to you. Hmm? Don't be double double visioned or double minded double you know look always watching over here to see what's going on in the natural and then go look at heaven and you know what i'm saying keep your focus on what god's telling you and what he's giving you and it will come to pass he'll bring it many times if we stay with him he'll bring it faster better uh, there'll be something to it that's supernatural in a way that it has god's stamp on it amen It'll be like that. 
he he's got to up the devil's game. He can't let the devil game him. You understand what I'm saying? He can't let him do better. Why? Because he's promised to do exceeding abundantly before, beyond all you can ask or think. Amen? So if he's going to do that, it's got to have his stamp on it. Amen? And it's got to be much better than what the enemy can offer us. So we have to keep everything over in his kingdom. Amen? Keep everything, all your faith, all your confessing, all your obedience, all your giving. Keep it definitely over into God's kingdom and you won't be disappointed. Amen. So um, God wants us to prosper and be in health as our souls prosper. Amen. In order to do that, we have to realize where your health and where your wealth comes from. Now, the shed blood is your wealth, just like it is your health. It came with the atoning work at Calvary. Jesus' poverty equals our wealth. Bible says he became poor so that we might become rich. Amen. He, he carried poverty in his body the whole every day that he lived. Now I know there's some rich preachers out there who will tell you, Oh no, Jesus wasn't poor. You know, those, uh, those, the three kings brought him enough. For him to be set for life. He wasn't, oh no, Jesus was wealthy. Then you're telling me the word of God is lying to us. Who bore the curse of poverty for us then? How do we get free from poverty? If he bore one curse, he bore all of them. So if you can can claim salvation and health, you can claim wealth too on the strength of the shed blood only. The shed blood alone. Not the shed blood in your tithe, not the shed blood in your offering, but the shed blood alone broke the curse. Your tithe don't have no power to break no curse. It didn't break a curse under the old covenant. Huh? <laughs> that covenant's been done away with. We have a better one. Now, then let me tell you, the reason it didn't break, break the curse under the old covenant, cause nobody did it. And God knew they wouldn't do it without his power compelling them to. You got me? Right now, most churches, though, is less than 20% of people actually tithe. It's always been like that. You understand? So it doesn't have any curse-breaking power then or now. Amen? Because people just wouldn't do it. It was the law then that you were cursed with a curse because you did not bring all the tithe into the storehouse. But who brought all the tithe? So they never prospered under that system because they couldn't do it. Amen? God made it so that it was hard to do without him. Amen. And so many times we look at these things and we think, oh, if I could just give more, God would bless me more. Well, that's true in principle. But in, in actuality, what really does you, what really breaks the curse of poverty is your faith in what Calvary did for you to bring you out of all of the curse. See, you can't, you can't let it redeem you, your soul, 
and save you and with without believing for the whole package you're going to hurt yourself in some area if you start picking it apart and putting it in sections so that you have little fragments of the gospel here and fragments there and you got to do this in order to to get this part of your redemption you got to do that there's nothing you can do to get any of it jesus would have to pay it all or nothing's paid you understand me so you're wealthy when you're born again you're healed when you're born again. Amen. Your first, your first impartation when you get saved is righteousness. And we perceive that with the, the, um, change in our nature, how we feel about ourselves. When you were first saved, God came to live inside of you. And the first first really fruit of the Spirit we experience is His love. And then love begins to branch out in our, our hearts with the other fruit of the Spirit growing up inside of us. But the overriding one is the peace that you have with God, that all your debts are paid. He's not after you to punish you. All is forgiven. All of that comes with the new birth. But also what comes with that is health and wealth comes. So we we should begin to expect all of those manifestations in our lives when we're born again. But what happens when 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 we are saved is that we start falling under this fragmentation of the cross where uh, different pieces of the cross come to us instead of it coming to us as a whole piece. You got me? Like the one of the arms of the cross they cut off and that's your wealth. This one's your health. This one's your salvation. This They start breaking it up and fragmenting it. Instead of us looking at it as a total work, a complete job that paid for everything that we will ever need in life. And start to governing ourselves accordingly. Amen. Then we have people that in our midst who come specialize in certain things, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's okay if God gives you a ministry to help people understand better some of these things. But it's so easy to get into works. When you start fragmenting the cross, I can't get healed unless I'm confessing the word a hundred times a day. You understand what I'm saying? Or I can't get get uh, my bills paid unless I give God a tenth, even though I don't really have the faith for doing that. And I keep falling behind in my bills every time I try that. Well, I don't care if you don't. I'm going to sit here and drink my water or something. Because it happens more often than not. And see, many times you'll think to yourself, man, I was doing much better when I was just believing God to pay my bills without all this other exotic teaching. Huh? Faith is faith. See, many times your faith is hindered by works. And works come in with man's knowledge. It didn't come in with God's wanting to bless you. Christians got blessed forever without all this teaching. Now we got all this teaching. People give less. 
they prosper less. They quit coming to church because they're disappointed because none of this stuff that they've been promised happens for them. You understand what I'm saying? And so the life of simple faith in relationship with God is probably the best life, even though I believe in sound teaching. I believe in sound doctrine. I believe in confessing God's kingdom. I believe in in affirming God's word through your words. I believe in that. But I caution people that you can easily get into works if you get stalled in something. You know, if you if time begins to bother you and the length of time it takes for something to happen begins to be a challenge for you. You can easily get over into works and think it's your speaking, you're saying, you're confessing. If you do it more, you'll get it here faster. It's really what you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Amen. Do you really believe that you're healed by the stripes of Jesus? Do you really believe that that God has paid for all of your expenses throughout your life, past, present, and future. You really believe that. And see, when you believe those things, that's your righteousness. Those things are accounted to you for righteousness. Every time God ran into Abraham, he spoke the same promise to him over and over and over again. Amen? And every time Abraham believed God, the Bible says what? It was accounted to him as which takes care of everything else in your life. It didn't say it was accounted to him as wealth. It was accounted to him as health. (laughs) It was accounted to him as righteousness. So righteousness really is the open door through which everything good flows into your life. The kingdom flows into your life if you seek first his righteousness. And all things will be added to you. Huh? So when you seek righteousness, righteousness will lead you how to give. Righteousness will lead you how to believe God. Righteousness will lead you how to confess the word. Righteousness will lead you. You can't be led through fear. And see, this is what happens many times. We'll get over, you hear somebody teach and say, oh, you got to do this or God won't bless you. You got to do that or God. He's blessed me already. I'm righteous. My sins are forgiven. And I walk in a place where I am continually aware of my position and relationship with him amen and that's your righteousness your focus on god is your righteousness it's not your little works god is not impressed with 10 percent. he wants a hundred because he gave a hundred you understand what i'm saying and it ain't all about money all the time either i wish people would get off that stuff there's some things you can't buy you ask some wealthy people What's his name? Um, uh, I think it's. I think it was Steve Jobs. Did he did pass away recently? He said the most expensive bed is a sick bed because all the money in the world won't get you off of it. Amen. 
And he had tons of money. Money he didn't even get to spend as long, you know, for the short time that he was here. And so we understand that it's not the wealth that we should be after, but it is the relationship with God. See, that's your wealthy place. Amen. Right beside him. That's your wealthy place. That'll bring everything that you need. Amen. That'll bring everything that you need. Everything. So we are to prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. You got to let your mind do some work in searching out where you have peace with God. Searching out the kind of thought life you need to have peace with God. And find your wealthy place in Him. Amen. In relationship with Him. What has He done for you? What does He say He's going to do? What are you expecting Him to do for you? That's your wealthy place. And if you can let your soul hold on to those thoughts. Let your soul feel good about what God's going to do for you. Without putting a, a crimp in it by saying, if I do this all the and if I do that all the time, stop that stuff. Because that's the Holy Spirit's job, to lead you into obedience in God. Now, I believe in giving. I love giving. I'm a cheerful giver. But I had to fight legalism. You know, all these books and tapes people sell that, sell that tell you you can't get something from God unless you do this, that, and the other. Huh? He loves me. He told me ask anything according to his will and he'll do it for me. Amen. And so my fight really is to stay out of the legalistic aspect of obedience to God and quit trying to earn my way and do things to impress God, you know, and, and con him into giving me something because I'm a good girl for three days. Well, two days. Well, one day, and <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so we have to put our total faith in the shed blood. When you do that, you'll find no, um, no add tos to the word. And you'll focus on maintaining righteousness, maintaining right relationship with God, maintaining peace with God. Amen. Getting closer to him. Getting to know him better and what he has for you. Understand that God will bless you according to the word. If you are a tither, he opens up the windows of heaven, but that ain't all money. He will pour you out a blessing. You'll have an overflow there. You got me? It's not some gimmick or a fast track to to getting a bunch of stuff. But it's something you must do from your heart, from faith and confidence in God. If you don't have confidence in God and faith in God, it will not work for you. That's why there's so many broke tithers running around. Because they're trying to do it without their souls prospering. When your soul prospers, you believe God's word. And you move out under the strength of your faith in God's word. Amen? And stay out of legalism thinking you can buy your way into wealth or, or millionaire status by giving God. Listen, sometimes you gotta give more than 10 to be a millionaire. You gotta cross over some kind of line somewhere. My goodness, cause the Bible says in the measure you give, you get. That's the New Testament. 
sometimes people can be real cheap and expect a whole lot of stuff. You know, they do that tenth and won't move off of it. Don't you love God more than ten percent? I do. Now see, that messes some people's up. Well, she against tithing. Well, now she says she for tithing. No, she against that. I'm not for or against anything. I'm for you. And you believe in God that the blood paid for what you need. You're not paying for anything. It's good to obey God's word. But do it from your sanctified heart. Let that word be in you to obey it. Don't just obey it because you're scared you're not going to get nothing if you don't give God your money. Now, he ain't the mafia. My goodness. He's not a stick-up artist either. Some people beat themselves. That money ain't yours. It belongs to God. You got That ain't your money. Well, why did he put it in your hand? What is he doing trying to mess you up? Don't give it to me then. If you don't want me to spend it. I used to tell my my late husband. Uh, I said, why you let me know where it was then? That's pretty good. What, with a straight face. Like, how was I to know? <laughs> he had to be a smart man to stay three steps ahead of me, and he was. So. Amen. Amen. I think God must have helped him, huh? <laughs> so anyway, Jesus' impoverished life was spilled out, and that paid the curse of poverty for us. Amen. Every day that he walked this earth, he didn't own anything. Amen. The last, the only thing he owned was his garment that he wore to his crucifixion. And they stole that from him, gambled to see who would get it. Amen. So he owned nothing the whole time he was here. He lived the life of having no earthly goods, totally dependent upon his heavenly father. So we're able to live this life too through his spirit. Amen. So we're able to live the way he lived, but with more abundance because the curse has been broken by the way he lived and by his shed blood. So when we put confidence in the shed blood alone, we pick up his wealth. So he left an inheritance of wealth for us on the earth because he did without it to pay the curse. Amen. Somebody had to live out a life of poverty in order for that curse to be broken. Everything that Jesus did, he did. He endured it so that the curse would be broken and we could live in wealth and we can live in unlimited um, supply, a more abundant life. All of this comes to us by way of the paid curse. Amen. The broken curse. That blood redeemed us. So... Our giving, what we do, is curse-free. There's not even a threat of a curse on what we give. Now, I know there are people who will argue this, and they can argue it, but my my understanding is 
There's no curse period on the new covenant. So nobody can bless you with a curse if you don't tithe. But you do receive in the measure that you give. So if you give 5%, you receive in the 5% measure. If you give 10, you get in the 10%. If you give 20, you get in the 20% measure. If you give in the 30, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? You, you get that measure based on how you, how what you receive in your heart from God. The parable of the sower tells us that people sowed, turn to Mark chapter 4, we'll start there. See, we're going to have to give up some of our legalism because if we don't, it's going to come back to bite you somewhere. Because you're going to be looking for, if you're legalistic in your giving, you're going to be looking for grace in your health and it won't be there. You understand what I'm saying? You'll be looking for a miracle at any time and then that legalism, well, I haven't done this enough. I haven't done that enough. I haven't done this enough. You got me? And so... I'm trying to get us all in faith on the same page so that we can receive. Now, this is New Testament. This is what we live under. You don't live under Malachi 3, okay? You live under the New Testament. In Mark chapter 4, verse 20. And I can tell you, living this way has caused me to give more. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but living under the new covenant has caused me to give more. Because I'm not stuck on 10%. See, you can get stuck there. And God will have better for you. And he's trying to move you off. But you're so stuck on it. You think, well, that's enough. The rest of it belongs to me. I can do what I want to do with it. Well, my my heart is it all belongs to God. See, I don't tell him what to do with anything. He tells me what to do with everything. Because he gave it all to me. So in, in Mark chapter 4... And he says, um, verse 13, he says, how do you, he said, don't you know this parable? How then will you know all parables? So if you don't get this one right, you won't, none of the rest of the parables will make sense to you. So this is foundational. This is, you got to get this is what Jesus is saying. This is important. And he said, the sower sows the word. These are they, those that went by the wayside where the word was sown, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes the word away from them that was sown in their hearts. Now this happens all the time. How many of you know you sometimes you gotta meditate on the scripture over and over again to even start to believe it before it even cracks, get, opens a crack in your thinking. So you keep at it, and then it gets to be Planted in better soil. So through meditation, you break up the fallow ground in your heart. You begin to focus on the word more. You begin to say, mm, God, show me, show me what there is in this that's there for me. I want to believe this and I want to believe it with all my heart. But as soon as something comes up, I run away from the word. Now we've all, how many have done that with their giving? I know some of y'all are perfect in everything. But a bill comes up, amen, cares of this life. A bill come up and you say, well, I got to pay this bill or they're going to put me out. And your giving to God goes on. It holds, sure, we've done it. Huh? We've, and, and it proves how good God is. 
because he'll forgive you. See, people think there's no forgiveness if you don't tithe. They'll tell you, you're cursed with a curse. Why we get a curse on the blood of Jesus? What else is going to pay for your redemption? The highest price has already been paid for you. I know I'm going into territory. No man boldly goes here. I guess that's why God gives women to preach. Huh? See, this will up your increase on your giving. You understand what you're doing. You understand righteousness when you do it from a righteous heart instead of feeling like you have to do it. Makes all the difference in the world. And he says, these are they likewise which are sown in stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves, so they endure for a minute, and afterwards with affliction persecuted. And this is where most people leave church. Yeah, some comes up that seems too big, and it ain't worth it to keep going, what am I going to listen to that word for? I'll never get nothing. Uh You see all these empty chairs? Don't tell me that ain't right. Huh? Where they have to, they have to lay it all down for God's sake. And they, uh uh, this ain't gonna work for me. Huh? It it works for everybody else. There's a trick to it. I, I, I ain't doing this no more. Cause they were watching God to see what he was gonna do. Instead of believing he was gonna do it. And loving him. You spent all that time judging God unfaithful. When you could have been loving him and being blessed for it. He says those, these are those which are sown among thorns. Such as hear the word. Cares of this life. Deceitfulness of riches. Lust some other things entering. Choke the word becomes unfruitful. This is your preacher who who preaches real good and has a ministry in the church and all of a sudden they back on crack cocaine again. Huh? Deceitfulness of riches. Huh? See, he's got the biggest church in the city. Everybody wants to be in there. He's got assistant ministers falling out of the woodworks. They all lavish praise on him. Oh, the men of God. Make way the men of God is coming through. Everybody wants to be a chauffeur. Everybody wants to armor bear, whatever. And he has nothing to do. Then he realizes he don't even have to show up at church no more. And when he's hung over from binging cocaine on Saturday night and don't show up to church, they figure it's normal. And then the next guy in line is happy about it. Because he gets to preach. So they just enabled. You got a whole church enabling a drug addict. Uh Uh-huh. I thought so. Uh Uh-huh. He said, and then this last little batch, sown on good ground, they hear the word, Embrace it, receive it, and let it nurture them on the inside with the love of God. And they bring forth fruit, some 60, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now people always say, I want the 100 fold. 
<laughs> in your dreams. It's your little raggedy confession. Somebody got to bail you out every time. It's just work on the 30. And try to understand what it's going to take for that. It depends on what what makes the difference in a natural garden. How many how many tomatoes you get, huh? It's the same thing. Jesus wouldn't have used this parable if you couldn't compare them. It's the quality of the soil. What's your heart like? You loving people or you can't stand nobody? You forgiving people or you a grudge holder? Huh? And that's just the start. You giving to God with a pure heart or you got a little gimmick involved there? You gonna give until you see if he gonna do something for you and then you. Condition of your, of your heart. I've heard people promote their ministries calling it good soil. No such thing. You don't know what that preacher going to do with your money. You better learn how to be obedient to God. That's your best thing to do. Because they can be preaching preaching Christ today and tomorrow they over somewhere sleeping in somebody's bed they ain't married to. What happened to their soil? The only soil you need to be worried about is yours. The condition of your heart. That is what determines your return on your giving. I'm going to say it again. Because you know what? We got some crazy people out here. We got some people out here that's real gimmicky. and I'll give to so-and-so's ministry. That's good ground. Really? Now, if you receive from their ministry, the Bible says if they've sown spiritual seed to you, they're entitled to your carnal fruit. But don't, don't get confused about the ground that you're sowing into. It's the ground of your heart that makes the difference in your return from God. Now if God tells you to give somebody. You've been sitting up there. Looking at them free videos. For six months Barb. Give them some money. He's done it to me. I'll send them money. But I'm not trying to judge. I don't know what they do. I know the video blessed me. I know I got an increase in my understanding. And I got some some good nuggets. All I stole a couple of sermons here and there. Huh? Amen. If God tells me to give, I'll give. Amen? And that's other than your, your, your place where you're fed continually. You understand what I'm saying? They get the biggest piece of it. You ain't supposed to be shopping preachers and stuff like that on the internet. You're assigned here. So you give here. It's just real simple. We sow to you continually. They sow to you intermittently. And sometimes you'll get one good sermon off of some of these people. You'll be sitting up there watching it for months and say, well, dang, I thought this was. 
Are y'all grown in here? Are y'all just... I thought I was talking to grown-ups here. No. But you got to stay focused on stuff. You let the soil of your heart be cultivated. You can give and, 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 and <laughs> get mad at yourself after you give and you realize where your soil is. So it's always your heart, the condition of your heart. It has to stay righteous and faithful to God and free from grumbling, complaining, all of that throughout the process. Other than that, you got some work to do. You know, you'll give it and you'll, you'll, you'll feel good about it. And then later on you start watching and you say, mm. you, y'all know what I'm talking about. Sit up there and dummy up on me. And then you think to yourself, I said, well, God, I guess we got a little more work to do on me. I'm trying to be your, your servant you can depend on, but it's getting a little rough here in this situation. I thank you for exposing that to me. You know, don't ignore it. If it crops up, deal with it. And say, God, now, I gave that, I thought, out of a pure heart. Something inside of me is is feeling like grumbling about it because I'm thinking I'm not getting the fruit out of it I thought I would get. And then God will tell you, it's not coming from this situation. It's got to come from me. So you got to get peace in your heart about your obedience to God at all times. Other than that, the devil will come right behind you and start trying to plant wicked seed in there. Until you did the wrong thing when you gave. Amen. He'll tell you that. And then pretty soon you start listening to that. And you start taking that money and doing something else with it. Amen. Cutting back on your time. Amen. How many of us started out faithful jumping on the bus going to Detroit every month. And then you see the people dwindle away. Dwindle away. So don't tell me it don't happen. Okay. Don't sit up here and try to. This is so horrible. Wake up, grow up, (laughs) pony up. (laughs) We see it all around us. Amen. Everybody wants to be part of the worship team until you have to be consistent. It's easy to do at the conference twice a year. More appealing, more people and everything. But when it's once a month at Rejoice Detroit... They find something else to do. Yeah, I'm talking about them. I don't care. That's what I'm supposed to do. It's called admonishing. Stick with your commitment. And you won't be disappointed. So we are healed and prospered by what Jesus already did, not by what we do. So when we come into agreement with heaven, we come into agreement with the truth of what's been done for us. Out of what he did, if we put confidence and faith in it, then obedience will flow correctly. 
It won't be hyped up. It won't be legalistic. It won't be uh, born out of fear that God won't do it for us if we don't do this over and over and over again. You got me? And and you got to keep yourself straight on that because that little legal thing could jump up and bite you anytime. Amen. Because it's powerful in, in, in trying to get us to obey it instead of the Spirit of God. Amen. Agreement, you have to understand this also. Agreement will, with heaven will always cause earth to react. Agreement with heaven will always cause earth to react. Earth will either cooperate with heaven or more often than not, it will rebel against heaven. Since the shed blood is your wealth, that blood testifies on your behalf. Amen. That you are righteous, that you are, are a child of God, that that earth must cough up what it is that you're believing God for. And that's when you get the rebellion of hell against you. And hell will send messengers to you to try and talk you out of obeying God, trying to convince you you're not doing enough. All of that stuff comes from hell. It does not come from God. The Holy Spirit leads you in your obedience. He doesn't tell you, you better get up and do more of this and do more of that or I'm not pleased with you. So earth will react whenever you obey heaven. Whenever you release the word of faith out of your mouth, amen, hell has a reaction to it. If you start to confess that you're healed while you have symptoms, and most of us do, the earth will tell you, the natural realm, hell, the earth will tell you, that's not true. You're still sick. How could you be well? Well, what's, what, well, why do you have this then? Why do you have that? As though you owe hell an explanation. You don't owe the devil an explanation. But see, he comes in your own voice and you think it's legitimate. You're so used to having a bad conscience about yourself. <laughs> You're used to beating yourself up. If your life ain't right, you beat yourself up. Now, see, we do that as Christians. In the world, you always blame somebody else. (laughs) Amen. But see, you're too holy to do that now, so you blame yourself. Instead of being homicidal, you're suicidal now. My right, Poppy? He mess you up like that. Like that's better, right? (laughs) Oftentimes the devil will use ridicule. He wants to laugh at us and that causes us to shrink back. Amen? Whenever we're made fun of, have the finger pointed at us. See, that that's the main tool of what they call the cancel culture now. Is always accusing. Whatever is the is the uh, the the thing worse than 
the devil now is what they point the finger and accuse you of. See, and if you don't know who you are, you'll spend most of your time trying to explain why you're not that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Everybody's a racist or a homophobe or a, yeah. What, what people who are righteous people need to do is start telling them, yes, better than being a baby killer. Huh? <laughs> At least I let people live. Huh? So the enemy likes to ridicule us, finger point. Huh? Look at you. How come you're not healed yet? You say you trust in God. Something wrong with your faith. You don't have enough faith. Amen. All you need is enough to resist him. And not fall into his clutches. The enemy tries to force us to stop agreeing with heaven. Or put us into doubt as to whether we're pleasing God or not with our faith. Amen. The more you you figure you understand and know about God, the more complicated and twisted his arguments get towards you. So what you need to do is obey the Bible and cast down any argument that comes against the knowledge of God. Any argument that tells you you're not this enough or that enough, just cast it down. Know where it comes from. comes from hell. Consider not. Amen? There were a lot of things Abraham had to consider not. The Bible says he considered not his own body. Amen. Now dead. Nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, which had always been dead. So those were two things that were obstacles in his faith that he had to consider not. What are your obstacles that you must consider not? Amen. Sometimes if if you like to do everything right, the fact that you're making a mistake is something you need to consider not. God, there's no mistake in my faith. Because my faith is your faith. I'm borrowing your faith for this job. So I know there's nothing wrong with your faith, Jesus. Amen. And if your faith needs to be strengthened, go get in the word. Amen. Just go feed yourself some more word. That's how it comes. And you don't need the devil to entertain you to tell you that. What, now he's a messenger from heaven? Come to help you with your faith? Give me a break. So just cast that thought down. That's all it is, is a thought. It only has the power that we give it. So when we understand what a conflict situation this is, we'll realize that we will win if we walk in the light of the word and declaring that we are healed anyhow. We are wealthy anyhow. We are prosperous anyhow. Amen? Your soul will prosper in the word. You'll start reading the word and get inspired to do some things that you've been wanting to do. But that your circumstances have always told you you could not do. Amen? That's how your soul prospers. You fight your way out of poverty through meditating on God's word and letting creative ideas come into your soul. Let the light of God's counsel come into your soul. 
and quit listening to the devil. He wants to, you know, those people that you ever see people that that uh, if, with the little birthday candles, and the kid can't blow them out, and they come and do this. That's the devil. He wants to put your candle out, huh, on your birthday cake. I hope the next one get burned. I hope you hurt yourself putting out by candle. <laughs> so there is conflict when you when you endeavor to bring heaven down here on earth. There is conflict, and you got to make up your mind. You're going to fight this conflict and win. Amen. My best thing to do is say, mm, "I'm healed anyway." devil tell you ain't gonna prosper look at that everybody in your family broke huh uh, excuse me devil what family you talking about you talking about them people over there baby and and ain't may and granny and all, them ain't my family i divorced them brothers a long time ago huh am i right poppy See, we've been having an eye on prosperity for a long time. Before you meet God, you got an eye to prosperity. You've been wanting to cut them loose for a long time, but you know the devil made you feel guilty. You think you better than they are. Well, listen, I, I don't have a roach in my house. How come when I go over there, you can't even turn the light on? God did not give me the spirit of roaches. He gave me the spirit of a clean house. Make me live like that. God ain't going to make me live like that. You ain't supposed to like it. I got news for you. Listen, when Israel lived in Egypt, they lived in Goshen. Wasn't no frogs in the cupboards. Wasn't no lice nowhere. Wasn't no rats, no roaches. They lived in Goshen. And that was under a covenant that wasn't as good. I know we can live rat-free, roach-free, and any other free we want to live. Oh, seriously. I remember I, I worked at a, a hospital out in Euclid suburbs and, and uh, we were married and I, we moved out there and uh, I was mentioning one of the ladies that she worked in, the, I think it was her gift shop and, and uh, she was saying, she said, now, did she say, did you move? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Because they would keep your little records on. Of course, I always bought stuff and paid for it later, but they keep your little records there. She said, where are you now? And I said, oh, I said, I'm in Euclid. And I said, we like it so far. And I said, of course, you know most of my family. She said, oh, honey, don't go back to the old neighborhoods. And that didn't come from God. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, this came from her. But that's good advice, period. Once God elevates you and graduates you, move on. Get used to your new surroundings. Even if you only live in one room at a time. Huh? <laughs> well, I guess I'll get another piece of furniture and go in that other room over there. Hey, let me get all over the place. 
Oh. Or you be like Goldilocks. I guess I'll sleep in the spread bedroom tonight and go in the guest bedroom tomorrow. This is, uh, hey, I'm possessing. Everywhere the sole of my feet tread, I'm possessing. Possess it all. <laughs> so when we cho- choose heaven over earth, we're being more honest with our desires if we accept then if we accept earth's provision earth's provision is always limited compared to what god will do for us you need to understand that accepting uh, the natural or accepting what we see is always a defeatist attitude even when you're not saved because all sick people want to be well amen to accept sickness means to accept defeat, even if you're not saved. Amen. Even more sa- when you are saved. All poor people want money. Amen. All blind people desire to see and all lame people want to walk. So to accept anything other, other than that is defeat. Even for an unsaved individual. Even more so for the blood bought. Amen. So everybody wants heaven's provision. You'll have some people that'll come up to you, they ain't saved, don't want to get saved, but they'll ask you to pray for them. Oh, you, you're a Christian. Well, can you pray for me? Huh? They want in. So why should we accept less? We should want in also. We're in already. Amen. So everybody wants heaven's provision. The believer has access to it and can bring it into their own lives and into the lives of others. Mark 16, 17, and 18 tells us that we have authority and dominion. We can bring the kingdom down here. Amen. Third John 1 tells us, Beloved, I wish above all things. That was the apostle's desire for his people, for God's people, that we would prosper and be in health, even as our souls prosper. So what he meant was, if you, if you are understanding God and you have a wealth of, of, um, uh, the word inside of you. He wants that to manifest out in the natural. See, what you believe in your heart and what your mind meditates on should manifest in the natural, in the way of health and in the way of wealth. The, 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 the disciple was talking about the power of love, which never fails. If you perfect the love walk and you keep short accounts with God and you make up your mind that you're going to obey God in all things, your soul has prospered in such a way that if you were to speak from that, you would have continual manifestation of God's kingdom in your life. And that's what the apostle was designed for them. He says, I want y'all to get it together. So that when you, when you understand God's word and you are, are committed to that word, he said, I want you to walk in a, a discipline and a grace in God so that it manifests in health and wealth to prosper your life. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to, he wants the things that we believe in our hearts and we meditate on to be so pure. To bring down heaven that when we speak, 
we can begin to see soon, if not instant, manifestations of what comes out of our mouth. Amen? It should be that way. We should be able to just, in a normal conversation, tell people, I'm never going to be broke. God's assured me of that. See, you got to get your assurance from God. You can't be just guessing pie in the sky. Oh, and another little thing while we on the subject. Now, if you believe in God's wealth, you'll be a working person. You got to set your hand to something. Am I right? He says everything you set your, not your mouth or your mind, but what you set your hands to will prosper. You got to set your hand to something. And for some of us, it ain't much. You didn't hear me. See, if you will pick up the thing God has for you, it won't be no sweat. He promised it. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen. If you got sweat involved in it, just keep working and God will liberate you. Just expect to be set free from the sweat aspect of it. Huh? Most of us want that anyway. We want to do three hours and hang it up. <laughs> I'm telling you. something happened this week in the stock market where some ordinary guys got together and and found out they could bust some hedge funds and bankrupted a couple of them just buying stock themselves amen they found out that in in a uh, in game stock of all things i mean that's like a um what is that anyway? What do they do? Video, they sell video new ones. Don't they sell them used ones too? Recycling? I mean, what is that to invest in? But they're on the, the stock exchange. So anybody can invest in them if they want to. Well, they found out these hedge fund, hedge funds were over leveraged on it or over involved. What they did was they bought on what they call a margin or they call it something different. The old term is margin. But but they had had they bought it to pay in the future, they had already committed to a certain number of them because the stock was so cheap. They thought what they would do would be to drive the price down further so that when they did cash in it would be at the cheaper price and they would make money on it. Well what happened when these other guys found out, these little little players found out Huh? It went from like thirty dollars to over three hundred dollars. Well, that bankrupted these margin guys because they were have to gonna pay for these shares now, and they couldn't meet the the price, and they're still screaming about it. So then they put on what the circuit breaker or whatever thing they do when they trade too much on the stock. They say, "Wait, oh, what? End of game. You know, stop. <laughs> we're bleeding too much." Huh? <laughs> They put in another, cause it was done online, so, you know, electronically they can manipulate that stuff and put a stop to it. But those, but not before those guys made a ton of money and bankrupt some people. See, this puts fear in the monetary power structure when everyday people 
can come and beat them at their own game. That puts total fear. Because see, we ordinary people aren't supposed to be that smart. We're not supposed to know all these secrets and how to make money in spite of. You see what I'm saying? But see, God is opening up that knowledge to people. You can't tell God what he can't do. The earth is his and everything in it. Huh? He's El Shaddai. That's the God who has his hand in everything. There's nothing he can't control if he wants to. God is sick of these rip-off people. You think God's not in that? They don't even have to know God for God to be in it. Huh? (laughs) But if it skins the devil alive, it's got to be God. I bet they won't try that again. (laughs) We have to believe that God will give us the desires of our hearts. you got to trust God in your heart. You gotta trust that he's the one that's putting the desire in there. If you feast on his word, that desire will come from him and it will be honored by him. Amen? He will give you the things that you desire. So learn to commune with him more. Tell him more about the stuff you want. Start making plans with God to, to do bigger and better and greater. Amen? In order to trust God, you must leave the time up to him. He has times and seasons in his hands. The safest place to put anything is in God's hands. You know, praying the will of God, you must do that in order to get what he has for you. You know, somehow we've come to distrust the will of God. All it took was for one preacher to say, oh, don't pray if it be thy will. Well, I sure will. You think I want to step on God to get anything I want? You get full of the word, though, you'll know the will of God. Amen. And you'll want the will of God because it's much better than anything you can conceive of. If symptoms are severe, God has deliverance for us. He always has a way of escape so we can bear things. Amen. The Bible tells us to lay up treasures in heaven. That's works of righteousness. That's not just money. You got me? Treasure is valuable stuff. What's valuable? A soul. Huh? Amen. If you can help somebody to know God better, I don't care what it is that, that they lack. If you can make that soul to prosper, you've laid up a treasure in heaven. Amen? The money thing don't get so excited about. Because we actually withdraw more than we put in. Now, when you think about it, it, it 30, 60, 100 fold, that means you got more already than you ever put in. Don't make me go there. You can't outgive God. You can't, he won't, he won't have it. He'll say, you think you're impressing me with that? Let me show you this. <laughs> and he'll hit you with something you never thought you could have. Amen. It is all taken care of. Amen. He'll give you a garden that don't even have weeds in it. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Once God hears us, we know we have what we're asking for. 
Amen. All you got to do is stay in righteousness and speak the word out of a pure heart. Speak the word out of a forgiving heart. Speak the word out of a loving heart. A heart that doesn't hold grudges and doesn't have fear and doesn't have weird ideas about people. Amen. Just let that manifest in you. And and God will give you all of the things that you need. He'll minister to us his truth. If I don't care where it where it comes from. Your door of healing, your door of wealth will come through uh, an anointed meeting of somebody who has a word of knowledge for you or, or prophecy for you. Uh, you know, all of those things are at at in the earth to help us. God sends heaven down here on earth to help us to acquire the things that, that we're believing him for. So he's on our side, folks. He will always send us the things that we desire. But, you know, we've got to get straight on how it comes. It's not going to come, but if you're a Pharisee, you think it comes by your much speaking and your much confessing. Huh? And you're just saying things over and over again. But if you love God from a pure heart and you, you want to obey him, you want to, to obey him in all things. Amen. You want to be his ride or die. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus, I don't want you doing nothing down here unless I'm a part of it. Amen. Just show me my part. Amen. I'll take a little corner. I'll take the whole thing. I'll take whatever you give me, but just show me my part. Amen. And be willing to do that. Don't make excuses. Amen. Just allow God to have that freedom. When he does, I'm telling you, he'll turn it to your good. He'll prosper you, bless you, make you wealthy. If that's what you want. Amen. I'll take a little money on the side, but I'm I'm involved in the preaching gig right now. Uh, but I'll take some extra wealth on the side. I'm not opposed to that. But I'm not going to drop this and run after that. Huh? That'd be a little crazy at this point. I'm getting the better part right now. I'm causing souls to prosper. Amen. I'm winning souls for God. Amen. I don't have to run off and chase wealth. I expect it to come and find me. Amen. I ain't moving. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding that comes with your holy word. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for being everything to us. Jesus, you're our everything. We don't lack anything, Lord. Even though we have an eye to better things, greater things in the future, we're not coming from a position of lack, but we are coming from a a position of abundance in you and even more abundance as you seek to bless and prosper us. So, Father, we thank you for the the rich deposit of your word today, that we can receive everything that we have spoken about today and everything that we ask you to bless us with in the name of Jesus. Let's do our confession. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. Amen, amen, and again, it's so decreed. Amen. Praise God.